Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Philadelphia is Joshua Drew. Josh is a member at Miller and Chevalier. And today we're going to be talking about something I have to admit I was totally unfamiliar with. We've all heard a lot about the DOJ guidance on compliance program, but recently I learned about what is known as attachment C guidance. Um, Josh, you know, frankly, until one of your colleagues alerted me to it, I really didn't know what it was. Could you first explain to people what attachment C is? Sure, Adam. Glad to. Uh, and thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, attachment C is the attachment to a typical Foreign Corrupt Practices Act corporate resolution brought by DOJ. And it is the, it's the part of the resolution documents that specify where, what the defendant company will need to do to establish and maintain an effective corporate compliance program. Uh, so it, it presents a, a pretty clear guide to DOJ thinking on the critical components of a compliance program. And attachment C has sort of become standardized over the years uh, in, in FCPA resolutions. And so when there's a change to the language in attachment C, it, it's a noteworthy development for folks working in the compliance space. And as I understand it, there have been some notable changes of late. First, how have the DOJ standards for management's commitment to compliance evolved? Yeah, that's the certainly the, the first notable change of late. And, and these changes to attachment C uh, occurred in, in August and September of this year in the, in the resolutions that came down uh, at that time. Uh, this part of attachment C used to be known as high-level commitment, and it focused on uh, support by directors and senior management. Uh, but the DOJ expanded the focus in, in the requirement, actually renamed it commitment to compliance. Uh, and it's now designed to ensure that mid-level management reinforce the commitment of leadership to the compliance policies and principles of the organization. Uh, and specifically calls out tone and conduct. Um, so the expectation is that now not only senior leaders, but uh, mid-level management as well, demonstrate support for compliance uh, and not just through their words, but through their actions and their decisions. And getting to that mid-level has always been one of the greatest challenges for compliance teams and having that additional support is likely to be very helpful. Now, were there changes to training and guidance? There were indeed. Uh, so another important change there, uh, the, the DOJ in attachment C uh, in these recent resolutions um, specified that the mechanisms for effective training and guidance within the organization uh, shall now include metrics for measuring knowledge retention and, and effectiveness of the training. Uh, so it picks up on a, on a theme uh, across a lot of recent DOJ guidance when it comes to compliance, which is a focus on effectiveness. Uh, is the program actually working in practice? Uh, and 
And these changes to attachment C regarding training and guidance um, drilled down on tailoring of training to the organization, uh, the, the size, the sophistication, the subject matter expertise of the audience, uh, and also flagged that where appropriate, organizations should discuss prior compliance incidents, meaning, for example, anonymized uh, uh, descriptions of findings from internal investigations uh, as part of the training and guidance program. And those, I think, always ring home the most because they were stories from in-house. People can see that it really can happen here and what's going to happen when it does. Now, can you talk to us about what it, the direction is for third-party management? You can't talk about FCPA these days or I think any day without getting into the third-party issue. It's a, a critical area, and it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, an FCPA resolution that didn't have a third party in the fact pattern that was participating in the wrongdoing. So it's it's very, very important uh, for all compliance programs and, and particularly for anti-corruption compliance. Uh, the changes in this area as reflected in the re recent uh, attachment C uh, to the recent FCPA resolutions have to do with uh, documented business justification uh, for engaging the third party in the transaction uh, and ensuring that contract terms uh, are specific, that they describe the services to be performed uh, and, and that companies track uh, and monitor their third parties after they're engaged uh, to ensure that they're doing what it was they were engaged to do. And if there are any changes in the profile of the third party that affect the risk of using that third party, that the company has an effective way to identify those changes and, and take additional steps as needed, including um, adjusting contractual terms, updated due diligence and the like. So are there any other changes that compliance teams need to be alerted to? Well, there were two more that are that are really worth noting as they pick up on DOJ policy priorities in terms of guidance on compliance. One has to do with remediation of misconduct and a requirement now uh, established in attachment C that companies um, conduct a root cause analysis of misconduct. Uh, including prior misconduct, to identify any systemic issues or any control failures. Now, this has been a best practice that many companies have followed for a long time now, uh, and it's now expressly set forth in Attachment C and endorsed by DOJ. Uh, the, the root cause analysis has to be accompanied by a timely and appropriate remediation of the issues that are identified. Uh, and and those issues that are identified and the actions to address them need to be shared with management as appropriate, um, which you know, we viewed as likely part of uh, DOJ's efforts to reduce siloing of information within the organization. And all of this uh, tracks the, the Justice Department rubric for evaluating compliance programs 
which includes the question of whether the program is working effectively in practice. Uh, and, and you can find that in the, in the criminal division's evaluation of corporate compliance programs guidance document. To me, as you're talking about this, this all makes the argument too that really organizations need to invest a lot more in tracking tools and, and metrics so that they can make the case to the DOJ that the program is working. Am, am I right in that? Absolutely. It's a, it's a priority for DOJ uh, and um, there have been recent changes in the, in the fraud section personnel and um, the hiring of an individual, former chief compliance officer, who's an expert on uh, use of data to manage risk. And uh, DOJ is increasingly uh, looking at companies' practices in that area, particularly the companies that come before them in, the con in connection with an enforcement matter. The last change I would uh, flag, Adam, in attachment C has to do with incentives and compensation. Um, and it's the, the revised language specifies that uh, the compensation structures and consequence management must incentivize behavior uh, that complies with company policy and, and against violation of the anti-corruption laws. Um, and, and to do this, um, the, there have to be um, structural uh, and programmatic elements in the company's compensation and bonus system uh, to provide these incentives and to for compliance and, and disincentivizing non-compliance. And this is fully consistent with uh, uh, DOJ's policy focus recently on, on compensation and clawbacks. Um, the Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco last year issued a memo on this topic and uh, the principles set forth in that memo were subsequently picked up in the uh, evaluation of corporate compliance program document I mentioned a moment ago. And I, th I think she also reiterated that when she was speaking a couple of weeks ago at, at our conference and was talking about the uh, leniency program for disclosures during the M&A process where there too they're looking for those things. Well, Josh, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us with this area that I think many people are unfamiliar with. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.